Chapter Ten of I, Mary MacLean, by Mary MacLean. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Ten. A winding sheet. Tomorrow. The least important thing in my life is its tangibleness. The only things that matter lastingly are the things that happen inside me. If I do a cruel act and feel no cruelty in my soul, it is nothing. If I feel cruelty in my soul, though I do no cruel act, I'm guilty of a sort of butchery, and my spirit hands are bloody with it. The adventures of my spirit are realer than the outer things that befall me. To dwell on the self that is known only to me, the self that is intricate and versatile, tinted, demi-tinted, deep-dyed, luminous, gives me an intimate delectation, a mental inflorescence, and sometimes an exaltation. It is not always so, but it can be so. But always to look back on the mass of outer events that have made my tangible life darkens my day. Introspection throws a witching spell around me, though it may be a black one. But retrospection wraps me in a winding sheet. When the day is already dark from low-hanging clouds, and often when the sun is bright, 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 I walk my floor and think of my scattered life flotsam with a frown at the eyebrows, a coarse and heavy and twisted frown. Today was a leaden day. The air held a quality like the infernal breath of dead people. I leaned elbows on my dull window-sill and looked off at green and purple mountains. I tried to think of some reason, some reason tangible or poetic, for living. I wore my brocade Chinese coat fastened down the left side, with round flashing glass buttons, and embroidered with blue bats and gardenias, and with it a crimply crepe silk petticoat, and silk shoes, and respectable white silk stockings. I felt righteous because in the forenoon I had done much housework. I worked thoroughly and well, swearing and repeating poetry softly to lend me impetus, and afterward I felt useful and good. But having changed from Dutch cap and apron and domesticness to scented silk and my sad window, I grew suddenly frail and vulnerable. Shadows stormed my wall and scaled it and entered in and sacked my castle. I lounged away from my window, folded my arms in my loose blue sleeves, and slowly walked my floor. I had no strength within to combat shadows. I picked up two alien shreds, of lint and paper respectively, from the rug, but inside me undigested and indigestible memories had their own way. They brought close an unsatisfying and dissatisfying vista of Mary MacLean's. There was a stubborn baby in Winnipeg, Canada, as I've heard, a baby with a white skin, coldly pensive, dark blue eyes, no hair, no voice, hand-worked muslin frocks, and a fat, lumpish mien. It was this Mary MacLean. There was a three-year-old child, as I dimly remember, still in Canada, and still stubborn, with a stout, keg-like pink-and-white body, baffling blue eyes, a tiny voice, thick sun-coloured curls, cambric frocks and short white socks, 
and a morose temper she had one love a yellow tortoise-shell kitten which she hugged and hugged with violence until one day it died surprisingly in her arms it was this mary mclean there was a seven-year-old child in minnesota as i well remember still stubborn and still often morose with a thin bony little body conscious gray eyes a tanned face weather-beaten hands untidy frocks beautiful fluffy golden hair a tendency to secretiveness and lies a speculative mind fantastic daydreams and a free hoydenish way of life she had playmates but no loves except an objective love for quiet greenwoods and sweet meadows and windy hills and hay-filled barns and for the surface details of life she had subjective hatreds for being fussed over for being teased and for relatives it was this mary mclean there was a thirteen-year-old person as i well remember in a windy montana town who was neither girl child nor savage but was a mixture of the three she had a devilish contrary will and temper the unlightened inexpressive wholly unattractive face and features of early adolescence a self-love that had not the dignity of egotism and a devouring appetite for reading she read everything she happened upon from voltaire to nick carter from lady audley's secret to fox's book of martyrs she read alexander pope and victor hugo and john stuart mill she read lena rivers by mary j holmes also confucius and the brothers grimm she had a long-legged lanky frame conscious gray eyes lovely coppery gold dark hair and a silly headful of tangled irrational thoughts she had pathetic impossible daydreams she had few companions and no loves but much hatred for most things sane sensible and honest it was this mary mclean there was an eighteen-year-old girl in butte as i well remember with the outward savagery tamed out of her by studiousness she was slim but no longer lanky and owned a white-hot aliveness and a grace she had repelling gray eyes and the beautiful coppery hair and about her an isolation a complete aloofness her spirit fed itself on wonderful and exquisite dreams alternated by moods of young passionate woe analyzed and torn to shreds all of it hid beneath a very quiet surface she had outwardly a tense markedly virginal quality but was inwardly insolently demi-vierge she had no companions no friendships she absorbed herself in digging knowledge out of her high school textbooks studying and imagining over it and wandering in the fascinating highways which it opened to her she was at the moment of her brain awakening soul awakening sex awakening life awakening world awakening it uncurtained windows of magic old sorrow for her to look from she had no characteristic weaknesses she was strongly and scornfully courageous it and the need of self-expression born of her teeming spirit and lifelong suppression of it led her to write herself out in a book which was published it was a poetic book and had insight and vision and a riot of color with youth as its keynote and it was human 
and figuratively and literally full of the devil the far and wide public in england and america read it and the newspapers made a loud noise about it and the lonely girl who wrote it found herself oddly notorious it brought money which made her free of butte and it brought human things into her life which changed her life forever and it brought her no inner or outer excitement or elation it was this mary MacLane. there was a girl of six and twenty in boston and in new york who had half forgot her long familiar ego for several years she lived and moved in folly and triviality and falseness from having had too few companions she had too many who did her no good and no harm but helped her waste passing days and dissipate her moods and mental tissues she had grown worldly in taste weak in manner of thought fragile in body from a mad irregularity of food and sleep and in every attribute uncertain of herself her soul lay sleeping her heart because it felt too keenly worked overtime nothing engaged her mind but her analytic trend stayed by and with it she pulled to bits the varied fragmentary things she encountered she learned new york town in human sordid enlightening disciplining ways she learned people of many kinds in many ways she learned other young women which depressed and exhilarated and perplexed her she learned men a race whose make and motive toward women bears no analysis she had not the usual defensive armor of the normal woman for she was not a normal woman but certain trends of varying individuals gathered into one sensitive woman envelope she was careless toward men in their crude sex rapacity in ways no regular woman would dare or care to be no man could wring one tear from her nor cause a quickening of her foolish heart nor any emotion in her save mirth and there were women friends there were some friendships whose ill effects she will never recover from from having bestowed too much of herself on them in the headlong newness of knowing and owning friendship after her long young loneliness she could not cherish anything sanely she couldn't stand in her doorway and watch a pretty bird flying above a green hedge and admire it for the gleam of its brilliant wings in the sun and let it go she must needs run out leaving her door standing open and tea and cakes untasted within and follow where the bird flew through mire and briar round the world from the odd notoriety were many letters and experiences and adventures she met some famous persons writers actors artists of agreeable philosophic pleasances she saw her book of youth burlesqued with artistic piquance in the weber and field show of its season with one collier adroitest of comedians cast as her long-lost devil there was a hasty voyage to the edge of europe a voyage of terrific seasickness lying in her stateroom a half glimpse of paris all gray and green in the rain a whole glimpse of london mystic dickensesque and roundly british in its yellow brown fog and back again within ten days with more birth-ridden seasickness lasting from cherbourg to new york harbour the whole adventure grown from a spring morning impulse there were winters in florida 
at sun-flooded resort towns full of gaudiness and gambling and surprising winter resort people those were mongrel wastrel years empty of every realness every purpose every vantage they filled her with a bastard wisdom it was this mary maclean there was a girl of seven-and-twenty worn to psychic fragments and returned on a winter's day in a mood of indifference to this butte it was her first return since she and her book had gone forth eight years before she celebrated it by being brought low with a baleful blood-sucking demon of illness what is called scarlet fever born upon by the mountain altitude after sea levels and getting in the way of epidemic germs she had no chance a strong feverish serpent wound itself around her consuming and destroying there were tortured dying weeks she had never been ill before in all her life this was the most crucial bodily adventure she had known it opened a new and dreadful world there was no passing of time in those long long weeks no rational thinking no day no night no dark no morning no memory there was pain and utter weariness and a feeling of being hurried to her grave there was an air of hurry in the stillness around as if she and death had made a date which she would be late in keeping unless she were urged on there was a doctor and a crisp white starched nurse and there were interminable bitter drugs and tall narrow glasses of monotonous milk she was endlessly disturbed by milk and medicine and by cold spongings and changings of feverish bed linens and anointings with olive oil and takings of her temperature and sprayings of her throat when she wanted only to sink down down forever and forever to the underworld she almost sank but god capriciously decided he had other plans for her insomuch as decreeing she was not to be let go then after seven weeks she tiredly rose from her bed and took stock of herself her role then was of a horrible yellow skeleton with negative gray eyes a wreck of tissue and vitality such as only scarlet fever can achieve and her beautiful thick coppery hair changed to a strange short mouse-colored tangle she was a long time recovering the scarlet demon changed her life and its meanings and energies and outlooks more effectually than if she had been trapped by a game at law and jails and courts had had their toll of her but after months a year and a half of months her health came back perfect if not vigorous and her good looks the few she ever had and even the humanizing incongruous curls though changed grew long and covered her head again in a heathen frivol a so magnificent mystery is this blood and flesh it grows up again out of its ashes burn all of it but one cell in the scorchingest sickness and so that bones are still whole it will renew itself from that perfect as the sweet bay but this mind less magnificent and less mysterious and more delicate and dubious rallies only by aid of the heart beneath it and the soul beyond it her mind came slowly out of darkened apathy it lived in a high-walled cloister telling its languid beads by rote but as if it sensed the sweet aura of her renewed body 
it at last woke strong and cold overnight and was aware again of itself and the morning magic of being and it was this mary maclane and after a year or two more it is this mary maclane it is i myself i walk my floor in leaden retrospect days with a feel in my throat of damned and damning unfulfilment and at my eyebrows the twisted frown in it is dread and anguish and worriment in it is hideous altering breaking prepolence of death if my hair just my hair had not come back after that red fever i'd have decided not capriciously like god but determinedly like myself to have died by my own hand one night it is no brave thought and it would have been no brave deed though it wants a lowering courage to leave life when despite all one loves its very textureless color its bodiless air not to speak of the yellow hot deathless sunshine that cannot reach one in her dark grave but the look and feel of my hair are the look and feel of positive life opposed to death to live up to my hair would keep me brave but the retrospects which i can't escape come and wrap me in the winding sheet End of chapter 10